Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 38. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. They weigh like a burden too heavy for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day long I go around mourning. For my loins are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I'm utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also is gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my affliction and my neighbors stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek to hurt me speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like the deaf, I do not hear. Like the mute, I cannot speak. Truly, I am like one who does not hear and in whose whose mouth is no retort. But it is for you, O Lord, that I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I pray, only do not let them rejoice over me, those who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Those who are my foes without cause are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully, those who render me evil for good, and my adversaries are my adversaries because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. 1 Samuel 24 When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to look for David and his men in the direction of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds beside the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. The men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David went and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. Afterward, David was stricken to the heart because he had cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to raise my hand against him, for he is the Lord's anointed. So David scolded his men severely and did not permit them to attack Saul. Then Saul got up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterwards, David also rose up and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord the King. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. 
David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of those who say, David seeks to do you harm? This very day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave, and some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not raise my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your cloak in my hand. For by that fact that I cut off the corner of your cloak and did not kill you, you may know for certain that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you are hunting me to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the ancient proverb says, Out of the wickedness comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A single flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you. May he see to it and plead my cause and vindicate me against you. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son, David? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Today you have explained how you have dealt with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For who has ever found an enemy and sent the enemy safely away? So may the Lord renew, reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Now I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not wipe out my name from my father's house. So David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 22 and 27 through 33. Now in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For, to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, is it not really to eat the Lord's, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper. And one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. This morning is the last day of a special gathering um, being undertaken by the United Methodist Church uh, here in the United States. Well, um, beyond the United States as well. 
Um, and for those of you that this touches closely, um, today may be a day for deep mourning. Um, and that hopefully is true for people on both sides of what is uh, rather clearly a divide along political, um, socio-political allegiances and ideologies. Um, I went to a uh, Methodist seminary for my first um, theology degree, and uh, I'd, I've been formed by the Methodist quadrangle and um, just in general the social concerns and principles of United Methodist Church and John Wesley, its founder. Um, and so I know a lot of United Methodist clergy, uh, lay people, um, and congregations, and it's um, been disheartening to see the developments uh, at the gathering for uh, discerning the way forward. And I may be getting the the title wrong, but essentially the United Methodist Church is facing a possible split, and it looks as though the party of, I think they're using the language openly, purity, um, has um, prevailed, for lack of a better word. Um, and the reading from RCL today, which is set far in advance, um, it isn't swayed by uh, current events like uh, what's going on in the UMC, but it seems nonetheless pertinent. Um, in First Samuel, we hear of David, uh, who is um, uniformly seen as someone who kind of gets God, even though he kind of screws up, um, especially later in life. But um, he does not do something that could very well have been, um, that legitimately is interpreted as being a part of God's will, um, which is to kill Saul, to kill the, the, the king of Israel at that time. Um, his men... Uh, alert him to this opportunity to um, kill a man with his pants down. Uh, It's kind of funny, but like it's also kind of serious and sad. Um, And David um, doesn't. Um, It is a legitimate interpretation to to see Saul wandering into the cave that you're hiding in with his pants around his ankles as something that God has delivered to you. And that's what his his men say to him. And he goes and he does it. He cuts off a piece of uh, Saul's cloak without him knowing. And he's overcome with something. Uh, grief or a change of heart. Um, but it, the, the NRSV just says stricken to the heart. Just because he cut off a corner of another man's clothing. Um, and he goes back and he tells his men, um, you know, look, I'm not going to do this. Not only is he my king, it's just not the right thing to do. It may have benefited me, and it may have been what I think is right, but on some base human level um, in that um, recognizes the human dignity and not just my own interests, but also the interests of even my enemy, my sworn enemy. My enemy is literally right now out trying to hunt me down. I'm not going to do it. That there's something that even though I think I'm right, there's something deeper than that right um, that is important to me and that I think is important to not just to God here in the moment, but to God's 
overall uh, comprehensive hopes and plans for the whole human race to include the people of God. And then in Corinthians, Paul has some terse language for um, people who go to the table, um, who eat, and it can mean both uh, Eucharistic table, but also just eating together, a meal, supper. Um, and some people, uh, you know, he, he knows that there are divisions, and he believes that there are divisions and factions, um, and it's it's believed that it's because some people are genuine and some people are not genuine, that some people are are right about the faith and some people are wrong. But that's not really what the faith is supposed to be about, who's right and who's wrong. Paul says when it comes time to eat, you go ahead with your own supper, your own interests, and that leaves some people hungry and other people drunk. One person without, or some people without, and some people with so much that they've lost sight, they cannot see straight. They have, they have uh, partaken in you know, a form of gluttony. And that's something that you do at home, not at the Lord's Supper, not at the table that Christ has set for all of us. You know, in doing so, we show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing. And so Paul doesn't commend them. In fact, he, he reprimands those who are setting something over and above the very nature of the table itself. Whoever drink, eats the bread or drinks the cup unworthily will be answerable for the body and the blood of Jesus. Don't do this lightly. Um, if you haven't discerned the body, um, if you haven't thought about what your interests are and what the interests of the poor and lowly and suffering and in need are, and if your interests are more important, whatever those interests might be, if it's purity, if it's, I don't know what else to call it. Um, there's, um, in every denomination, I'm Episcopalian and we recently had our own schism. Um, and now we have the Anglican Church of North America. Um, that is, that invariably, or it, it uh, extends to dioceses and perhaps even parishes and congregations, the ability to decide who will be ordained, almost like a, a congregationalist polity, which is to say that the congregation is king and not necessarily the denomination. And there's a certain goodness in that. But there's also something that we lose. There's something that we've lost sight of um, and that we are in danger of setting some something in place of uh, the function and the purpose of this body of Christ that feeds those who are hungry um, and gives drink to those who are thirsty. Um, I've probably said more than I need to. Um, I think I, I, I don't believe that anybody in what's going on in the Methodist Church is happy or um, I don't think anybody uh, on either side is um, likes how things turned out. Um, 
I would hope that everybody feels a sense of sadness about what uh, has come of uh, this particular tradition and this denomination and what has come of others, my own included. Um, it seems as though we, uh, there is no limit to how many new denominations we can create um, in, the, in our efforts to, to be right in our pursuit of being satisfied in the belief that um, we've got our thing together and that it may hurt some people, but those people um, that it hurts just aren't right. That there's that they're missing out, that they've failed in some way um, to live up to our understanding of what we're supposed to be about. A prayer for the unity of the church from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, Give us grace seriously to lay to heart the great dangers we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord. That, as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so we may be all of one heart and of one soul, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and charity and may with one mind and one mouth glorify you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for pew pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, And you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.